Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Hoping we'll find you all in good form this morning. Sadie and John Paul are taking your calls at 1850-333-103. Anything you would like to share with us? I already see some texts coming in and WhatsApps. Keep them coming to 0862-103-103. Travel and travel plans and travel restrictions. A lot of focus on that in the papers uh, today. And it kind of very much picks up on what we were talking about yesterday because the Thornish to Simon Coveney has come out and insisted that we here in Ireland, we will follow our own public health advice on the lifting of travel restrictions. We won't be dictated to by the EU. And this was what we had mentioned yesterday, that the EU Commission had unveiled plans to lift travel restrictions between member states who had similar levels of COVID-19 infection. And I know when I mentioned this yesterday, people were getting very worried about the idea that borders would open. And while we're doing well here, could we then end up importing more coronavirus into the country but Simon Coveney has come out and said no, the easing of any restrictions will be a matter for individual countries. The EU will not be able to tell any country that you must allow people in and that you're not allowed uh, to force them to self-quarantine. Tourism, he accepts, is a vital sector across the EU. It employs, it seems, more than 30 million people every year. But Simon Coveney says when it comes to the current COVID-19 health restrictions, they are a matter for national governments and the guidelines in this country are very clear. They've been drafted on the advice of our public health experts. Now in guidelines that were published yesterday, the EU Commission had recommended that travel could soon resume between member states and regions with a similar risk profile and that would be how countries it would be based on their control of the virus now you also they were talking about looking at the capacity of the health service in the individual countries Uh, and obviously we're doing quite well when it comes to controlling the virus so the fear was that people would look at Ireland and say lovely country great country to visit they don't have a lot of coronavirus we'll all go on holidays there instead now responding to the plan to start to restart travel and tourism the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar got involved in this debate yesterday as well and he said the very strong advice from the government was that anyone entering the country needs to quarantine obviously with the exception he said of some key workers so he said we're going to strengthen that over the next couple of weeks people feel that that should have been strengthened should be done now if anything it should have been done before now Uh, Leo Varadkar said it would be months 
he said before air travel for business or leisure he feels will return. He also accepts we're an island nation but we are a globalised economy. He said we need to return to business. We need to return to leisure travel at some point but he reckons very premature at this stage to even be talking about it. But he says it does make sense that the European Union and the aviation authorities are thinking about how we can return to safe air travel in the future. But he says it's months away, months rather than even uh, weeks. And actually, it was I was interested to hear as well from uh, Fine Gael TD, Emer Higgins. And I think Emer Higgins, a lot of people will, will agree with this, Deputy Emer Higgins. She said allowing airline passengers the option of filling in a form on whether they'll self-isolate or not. She thinks that's an insult, especially to families who have lost a loved one due to COVID-19. Emer Higgins in the Dáil uh, made the remarks after it was discussed that a third of people arriving in Ireland over a six-week period refused to give details of where they were staying and that obviously then could there was no way that the authorities could check up or confirm if they were self-isolating. Now the government, they're still examining these proposals to make those forms mandatory. I still can't understand why they're only examining them. In other countries, they're mandatory. I can't understand why they're not mandatory here. And by having them mandatory, it would then allow, there could be follow-up checks done by a member of Angarda Siakana. They could call to somebody's door to ensure that the passengers are self-isolating, that they're in the declared accommodation that they when they filled in the form at the airport or at the port. Um, I just can't understand why that's not in place uh, already. And Emer Higgins even feels, she wonders, is that even going far enough? And she made the point that at the moment, passengers can waltz in, was the word she used, into our airports, claim they're travelling to, to Northern Ireland. And by doing that, they don't have to comply with any restrictions. And she said that's regardless of the threat that they may pose to the island. They could be coming from anywhere. They could be coming from an area that has a lot of uh, COVID-19. She says it was less than three months since the first passenger with COVID-19 travelled through Dublin Airport. That's all it took. It took one person to either come back from China or to come back from Italy at the time was the other hotspot. Came back to Ireland, didn't realise they picked up COVID-19, but that one person then brought the virus to our shores and now we've ended up with what we've got over 23,000 confirmed cases. And uh, tragically, we have uh, almost 15 hundred people have lost their lives because of that one passenger arriving with uh, COVID-19. And for people who were, had travel plans that have now obviously been uh, cancelled, there's another, there's a bit of good news here on refunds and airlines have reacted it seems with fury. This is good news coming though from the European Commission. Uh, The European Commission have demanded that passengers must be given cash refunds for cancelled flights and that passengers cannot be forced to accept vouchers instead. Now some people have opted to accept vouchers and if you're happy with the voucher that's fine. But there are other people who want a cash refund. There are people struggling financially. They can't afford not to be without the money. And there are other people, I've heard some stories of people who had paid huge sums of money for very expensive trips abroad, you know, for like a large family or a large grouping of people. And they just want their money back. They don't want a voucher 
for the amount that they've already paid out. Anyway, the EU's executive body, they had been under pressure to ease passenger rights, which would have allowed airlines not to give cash refunds. And there was a number of member states, including Ireland. We we wrote looking for this as well. And there was a lot of businesses, the aviation industry, people within the tourism sector were lobbying the European uh, Commission. Now, the aviation sector were doing it because, you know, they were fe- they were fearful that some of the avi- aviation industry could simply collapse due to coronavirus so they want to hang on to whatever cash reserves they, they, they have. But anyway, the lobbying has failed and the Commission came out yesterday and they're now threatening to move against any member state who fails to implement the EU law and the EU law is there which says if a flight is cancelled, an airline must give you a cash uh, refund. Now, a letter, it seems, is going to be sent to the EU states to ensure respect of passengers' rights. Now, they are going to make suggestions that the AVA, some of the airlines could make vouchers more attractive and, you know, giving a little bit of an incentive, which might then allow passengers to decide that they would prefer to accept the voucher. But the decision has to be by the passenger. They can't be forced by an airline to take a voucher. And I know, and I don't know if it's still in place, but I know at the start of the cancellation of flights, Aer Lingus certainly were trying to make it, uh, trying to incentivise people and passengers to take flights because what they were offering at the time was whatever the for you to take a voucher they were going to give you 10% on top so if you had paid out for example 500 euro on flights that were now being cancelled they were saying to you take a voucher and we will give you a voucher for 550 euro so that was that was a good incentive and, and those vouchers la- will last five years and some people saw that yeah it's a way of making a bit of money at the same time and if you weren't in need of the cash I know of a number of people who said yeah thought that was good and thought that was fair so I'm assuming that other airlines, because not all airlines have done that, that's what the EU Commission will say to them. Look, if you want to encourage your passenger to take the refund, well, then incentivise them in some way. But if that same passenger says, no, I want my cash and I need the cash, then they must give refunds. When those refunds are going to come, I don't know. And we know that the tourism uh, industry is really under pressure at, at the moment, you know, not just worldwide, but especially here in this country. And the tourism minister, Shane Ross, he has come out and backed for this 0% VAT rate. And he says, you know, it could help the sector recover because he's making the point that there there are going to be holidays in Ireland. It will be, it'll be this staycation. People will decide that I want to have a little bit of a holiday. A lot of people are feeling, you know, almost locked inside in their own Homes. So Shane Ross is saying, look, there will be a pent up demand for breaks, whether they'll be, you know, short breaks, longer breaks, but people will. There are people who will be nervous about getting on a plane, even when the aviation industry opens up. So I think there will be more people will be looking at and deciding that they're going to stay in uh, Ireland. And Shane Ross acknowledging that the Irish tourism is currently on its knees and he says drastic measures are needed to save it. So one of the measures, and this has been floated already by the tourism sector themselves, is a reduction of VAT for the Irish tourism and hospitality business. Now, it's at 13.5%. Remember, it was at 9% and they brought it down to 9% in order to help out the tourism uh, sector. And then it went back up when tourism went back up and businesses started doing well the government decided no it's going back to the up to the 13.5% so it, that's where it stands at the moment so Shane Ross is saying yes he would be very much in favour of reducing that 
uh, to zero. And he said he's already spoken with the Minister of State for Tourism, uh, Brendan Griffin, and Brendan Griffin agrees uh, on it as well. But and while people listening to me who are in tourism will say, oh, wouldn't that be great? I hope Shane Ross gets his way. We have to bear in mind that Shane Ross is the outgoing minister and he also, he's not even a TD, he lost his seat, remember, in the February general, general election. So he's not going to be forming part of the next government. He can make all the suggestions he likes now, but when the new government is formed, he's not going to be there to back up what he's saying uh, at uh, the moment. But I mean, the tourism sector certainly needs help. Uh, there are two, two, 260,000 jobs in the tourism sector and they reckon the revenue generated is 7.5 billion was generated last year according to uh, Fault Ireland so you know Fault Ireland are saying yeah absolutely we need to help out the tourism industry actually Fault Ireland went further and, and reckoned that in the next cabinet there should be a dedicated minister for tourism that the, the tourism portfolio shouldn't be shared with anything else it should be one uh, dedicated portfolio but we will we'll wait to see what happens with that one and the other one I've picked up from the papers today uh, and it's something that certainly we would hear about a lot on this programme. When you talk to people and you say, you know, how are you getting on in lockdown? How, how's it going for you? What are you most missing? A lot of people will say to you what they're most missing is meeting up with families and haven't seen families in quite some time. And older people are certainly, grandparents are certainly missing meeting their grandchildren. And grandchildren are absolutely missing meeting beloved uh, grannies and uh, granddads. Many of them up to the coronavirus had played a very important role in these little children's lives and suddenly granny and granddad you know okay you can see them on a Zoom call or on a FaceTime call but to get that hug from granny and why can't I go to granny's house and why can't I stay over you know grandparents really really are missing uh, their grandchildren so I was really interested to hear Leo Varadkar say yesterday that children will be able to visit their grandchildren he reckons it'll be over the course of the summer now he was making the announcement at the same time that Hikwa was talking yesterday uh, that children now it seems are not substantially contributing to the spread of the coronavirus. This is the very latest research and evidence that's coming from across the world, not just in this country. And it appears to show that transmission is lower in children under the age of uh, 14. So Leo Varadkar is saying, look, that's very encouraging and there is growing evidence that there is now uh, at least the, the, the risk from the virus for children is less and they don't appear to be the super spreaders. Remember at the start we were talking about super spreaders and everyone was fearful of children and we were really keeping children almost locked up in indoors. But it seems now there's evidence now to say they don't appear to be the super spreaders. So out of that, Leo Radker is saying, you know, the time is going to come very soon when children will be able to visit older family members. Now, he said it's going to form part of the discussion, but he said it's certainly not going to happen next Monday. There's not going to be an announcement when they when we get into phase one. It's not going to include children being allowed to visit uh, grandparents. And he he accepted when he was talking yesterday that everybody wants to see grandchildren. You know, he went on to talk about that he knows of some uh, grandparents who have yet to meet a newborn grandchild who's been born since the lockdown began. And that must be very difficult for grandparents parents as well. So he says look everything is pointing that we're moving in the right direction. We have to stay on course. So he said it is going to be sometime in the summer uh, but he said he's certainly not going to be making that announcement on Monday but it is going to happen sooner 
rather uh, than later and I think that's just a bit of good news that a lot of grandparents and little children can hang on to today it won't be too long until you can go see granny and granddad again Jerry in Formoy says just look outside your window head out into your garden go out on a walk and just look around and see how beautiful the world is and the area in which we live it's as almost as if the world is healing itself we should take airplanes out of the sky says Jerry they've been polluting it for years if people want to go abroad let people use boats and ferries they might think twice about travelling them. We travel too freely in this modern world. What is wrong with our own country? We live in a beautiful country and we should just appreciate it. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Jerry. Okay, some of your texts in. Oh, there's a lovely text here. I just want to give a mention to this. It says, morning, Patricia, if you could, would you give a big shout out to the fifth and sixth class pupils of Canavy National School who should have been receiving their confirmation today, especially my granddaughter, Ashleen, I'm sorry, Alison O'Callaghan. She's also, she was also in lockdown for her birthday on St. Patrick's Day and also my granddaughter, Rachel O'Connell, who's going to be five next Sunday. Hopefully will be and hopefully will be starting school in September. And that comes in from Nana Francis and uh, Granddad Ron, who no doubt are really missing seeing the grandchildren as well. So to all the boys and girls of Canavy National School who would be making their confirmation today and what a glorious morning they would have woken up to on the confirmation morning. And they were into, am I op- am I right in saying as well we're into first holy communion season as well I'm assuming this Saturday there would have been a number of First Holy Communions taking place. So if people want us to give a mention to children who would be making First Holy Communions or confirmations, we're only too glad uh, to do it. But they will get, they will get to have their day when all this is gone, when this time is passed, they will get, their their day will come back. Okay, and just some clarity for some people. Hi Patricia, uh, do you think charity shops will open soon? They are so important. Also, what about the very small shops? When, the, when will they reopen again? Things like the bookies and the florist uh, shops. OK, the, the, well, we know what's reopening on Monday. They're the, kind of the bigger, the garden centres, anything that's outdoors and the farmers markets are going to be brilliant. They're all coming back from next Monday. We need to move to the next phase then, which is phase two on the 8th of June, which is, where are the shops on the 8th of June? We have shops that can reopen. Small retail outlets can reopen from the 8th of June with a small number of staff on the basis that the retailer can control the number of individuals the staff and customers interact with at any one time. So the smaller shops, so if they, if any of your charity shops fit into that category, then they'll be opening on the phase two, which is on the 8th of June. And someone else has a query in about travel. M says, morning Patricia, just a query. How soon can I travel up to north of uh, north of Ireland? I need to move out of my apartment. Kind regards. Okay, travel. When do we get to travel? We we are into phase four before we can travel outside of our region. So phase four is this twentieth of July. So the 20th of July is when we can travel outside of our region and obviously if you need to travel from Cork to Northern Ireland that is very much outside of your region so that's on the 20th of July. 1850 We're going to take a break and we're back uh, chatting with the ASTI about the graded leaving cert. Cork Today on C103 With Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie 
COVID-19 continues to impact on our day-to-day lives. We want to remind you of some practical ways to protect yourself. Wash your hands properly and often. Cover your mouth and nose when you cough or sneeze. And dispose of used tissues. Disinfect frequently touched objects. Avoid any contact with people from outside of your household. Don't touch your eyes, nose or mouth if your hands are not clean. And please follow all advice issued by the HSC and the government. This message is supported by Irwin's Pharmacy, Shandon Street, Mayfield and Toker. Always looking after your family. For coronavirus updates and information, stay listening to C103. Finally, there was some certainty last week with the announcement by the Minister for Education that students will now be offered the option of accepting calculated grades are sitting a Leaving Cert written exam at a later date. To find out how teachers are coping with all of the news, I'm joined by Diarmuid Dupuyer, who is the Deputy General Secretary of the ASTI. Good morning to you, Diarmuid. Good morning, Patricia. And, uh, well, you're welcome. Does your association believe that calculated grades are the fairest way possible to tackle the effects of the lack of school, schooling and indeed the other problems caused by COVID-19? I don't know if we'd say that, that we'd say that, that they're the fairest way possible, but they are what we have and teachers will endeavour to make them as fair as they possibly can. There are obviously huge issues with this and um, a lot of them have been raised um, and our members are kind of concerned about a lot of issues, a lot of issues about equity, a lot of issues about the kind of pressure that will come on them, about the possibility of legal challenges, but also I think primarily they're concerned about their students and how how their students will be treated in terms of fairness because there are there are differing groups of students or the students who have special needs or the students who maybe have struggled to attend at school and how do you predict their results and how, well the predictive sorry is absolutely the wrong word how do you calculate the results but we have our advice to our members is to use as far as possible actual hard data previous test results mock results with some reservations depending on where they come from and who's correct them but results that have already that are already in the system so that they they can be as objective as possible and our members will try and they will be objective and they will be fair but uh, it's also important to remember and I think um, it, to note that the the mark that comes the grade that the student gets is not necessarily the grade that the teacher has given because there's a whole process afterwards which may lead to a ch- change in that grade have teachers, have you received guidelines on how to approach? I mean, it's an unprecedented task, these uh, We believe there, there are guidelines. We've been promised guidelines coming out fairly fairly soon, uh, hopefully today or tomorrow even. Um, we, after the announcement on Friday, there have been several meetings of a group representing teachers, management bodies, students, parents, uh, and we have sent in, I would say, hundreds of questions because uh, I had a meeting, for example, of our principals and deputy principals committee the other day, and I came away from that meeting with three foolscap pages of of bullet points to be asked. Our, our executive meetings would be similar. So there have been an awful lot of questions. We've sent them into the department and we're hoping for answers and we're hoping for clarity for schools on how to handle all those issues. And they really need to get working on this, don't they? I mean, you... Oh, they do. They do. They absolutely do. Because they've asked that they, this all be done by the end of May. Now, it is now, what date is it now? The 14th. 14th. So that's, uh, that's 17 days, uh, including the weekend. So we uh, maybe when the guidelines come, it'll be clear that this process may 
maybe reasonably quick. And I suppose if, if the teachers and if, if the advice is to use existing data as much as possible, it will probably make it, it makes the process that, that little bit easier and cleaner. We, we've suggested maybe taking particular tests and, and you know, taking three or three or four best out of a four, three out of the best, out of four tests and taking the best three and then dividing them and giving an average score. Something like that. If there's some method like that, then at least it'll be reasonably straightforward. And then it goes on through the process of the aligning where other teachers in the department discuss the marks with you. The principal has a look. The principal cannot change the teacher's mark. Okay. But, 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 you know, in, uh, but they may say, you know, there may be some issue that they, they're aware of and they may say, see an anomaly and say, look, would you have a look at that again? But if the teacher says, no, that's my experience, well, then that's that. And then it goes to the department who use this controversial, they use various issues, but this controversial school profiling, which um, where they look at how the, this year's results compare with the school's performance in the past. And there have been several concerns about that, about equality issues. If you're in a school, you know, at, at school in a disadvantaged area where you have a particularly good year or the school has done really well and turned things around and the year are performing better than previous years, should they suffer because of the previous performance in the schools, whereas the, school, the children in the well-off school that's always done well won't suffer the same. Yeah, what about, what about students that are going to a, gr- a private grind school? Well, we don't organise in the private grind schools. Our members aren't there. But, but yes, I presume the private grind schools will have to do the same thing. And um, I, again, do they get an unfair advantage because there's been high performance? Well, it's not necessarily particularly high performances from in the past. But if, if any student goes to a school where there has been high performance in the school in the past few years, does that student have an advantage? And I suppose more importantly, does a student in the school where the performance hasn't been that high, but as I say, if there's a particular, I don't think it'll matter for a particular individual student mm-hmm. doing particularly well, but if a year group, and we all know from our experience, you sometimes get a year group that clicks yeah, and they're yeah. doing really well, and and as I say, maybe the school has managed, you know, through the work of the teachers to turn a corner and get, get a lot of the students kind of more engaged than they had been, and they, put, they outperform previous years. Are they going to be marked down by the department. So so um, in one of the suggestions at our principal's meeting was that if that was the case in a school, that maybe the principal of the school would be able to provide evidence along with the marks to show that this was a higher performing group than usual. For example, maybe junior search results are, 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 are other data that they have in the school to say, look, we're not inflating the grades here, that this this group has genuinely performed well. But on the other hand, the department have said, and quite rightly, that they have to avoid a huge kind of points inflation because because there are students applying, for example, for the CAO this year who are applying not on this year's results, but who did the leaving last year or the year before. And if there was a 50 or 60 points inflation across the board, they would lose that. That's not fair to them. So the the system is fraught with problems. Yeah, absolutely. On the other hand, I, I just want to reassure students and parents out there that teachers will be fair and will do their best and to request them. And it's been made very clear by the department that any interference by parents or students trying to influence a grade will be considered canvassing and is not to be tolerated. And most schools are sending out instructions now to their teachers not to engage with either parents or students in sixth year, except for pastoral reasons. And the pastoral reasons even then should not go directly maybe to the teacher of the subject, but to the school And actually, on, on that, Dermot, have you heard even anecdotally of any parent or pupil who's, oh, who's yeah, tried? Oh, yeah, quite you a have? lot, quite a lot. Most of it, 
on the kind of very polite, you know, they ring up to ask, you know, some advice about something and then they'll say, oh, by the way, you know, when Mary was sitting those exams, she was, you know, she wasn't well or her cat had just died or something, oh. you know, all this sort of, pres- not always, some of the more aggressive, yeah. but, but there is certainly the, and, and of course, if teachers are worried that they, particularly if they live in a relatively small town where they're yeah. also teaching. And everybody that, knows everybody. That everybody knows everybody. That there'll be, even if nobody says anything, there'll be the dirty look when they meet them in the supermarket because Mary only got a, you know, whatever, a H1 and she was, H, sorry, a H3 and she was expecting a H2. Uh, now, as I've said, one of the things that people have to bear in mind is that maybe they don't know what mark exactly the teacher gave because that can, may have been modified um, out. The mark they get, the grade they get, comes from the Department of Education. Um, but of course, it's going to cause difficulties for teachers. And I just would ask people to, to bear with them that teachers will do their best. They will try to be fair and they will be fair. They're, they're professionals. They're, they are concerned about their students. And it's one of the, the things that I think teachers are struggling most with. They have always seen themselves as advocates and champions of their students, not as their judges. And that is why the state exam system, when so many institutions and other bodies in this country are under, you know, people are concerned about them, about how trustworthy they are. The State Exams Commission has always been accepted, whether people like or don't like the system or the point system, they do accept that it is fair and that it is objective. The person marking the exam does not know whose exam they are marking. Um, And that obviously is gone this year, but as I say, teachers will do their best and will be fair. What what if, and and I don't know if this happens in many cases, but what if you're teaching your son or or daughter or even a niece niece or a much-loved niece or nephew? the department have said they're going to put in guidelines as how to deal with that because quite obviously you couldn't be marking your son, son or, daughter, or your, yeah. your own son or daughter. Um, there are other issues that they've said they'll deal with, like an awful lot of students do subjects outside school, um, either particularly maybe a foreign language. If you're, you may have a, a Russian student who is doing Russian in the leaving, or a Polish student, and they're not teaching in school, so they're doing it on their own. Or a teacher, or a student doing music because the school doesn't offer music, mm. or even doing music where the school does offer music, but but, but it clashes with another subject, and they're doing it outside. So they all have to be dealt with because obviously a teacher can't be expected to mark to grade or to rank a student that they don't teach. Um, and what about a number of questions from people asked the same, the students, are they still getting the 100% for the orals? No. Um, the That's minister, gone. The minister announced that that was being reversed. Um, we, we've asked that he retain it, but um, I, 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 I don't know what, what his reaction will be, but I, at this stage... Uh, the official position, the position from the department is that the 100% for orals and project is gone. It's gone, and, okay. And, and you will get the mark on the whole grade. The, 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 the teacher in the school, or the, the school will provide and the department ultimately will provide a grade on the whole exam, including project work or oral work. And then the other question, will there be an appeals process? There's an appeals process, but it's, it's on procedure. It is not on whether the teacher was right or the school was right or the department was right in the grade they gave. It will be to make sure that they followed the process, which is that the, the teacher gives the grade and the ranking and then it goes to what's called an alignment meeting with the department or with the deputy principal if there's nobody else. And then it goes through various stages in the department. But I suppose the ultimate appeal is that if a student is not happy with their grade in a particular subject, they can re- they can sit the leaving cert and get a... a a mark from the State Exams Commission for that. Well, we don't know when that's going to happen, no, do we? No, but what no. the Depart- Par- Department has said is that 
say they missed out on their first choice by a few points or whatever, and they take a they take a, a paper or two to change that, yeah. and they start their second choice in university, for example, they will not suffer if then next year they go back to first year. They won't have to pay the okay. full fee that's, as that, they would normally. And that's fair. And, and if they have a Susie grant that which obviously you have to, you know, you have to go through the course. You can't, you can't uh, change. change courses and continue, but they, you will be allowed to change. Okay, that's, that's so fair. I think that is the ultimate appeal and, and that hopefully, because there's been a lot of talk and about court cases and maybe people being in court, I imagine a court will say, but you have another chance here. I would hope that the, you know, that if, if, if somebody's not happy with their grades, they have an option and the option is to, to now obviously it, it, um, postpones things by a year, certainly getting their first choice by a year is made postpone. And I know for the people sitting the exams that seems like an awful long time, but we all know when we get a bit older that that year in your life they could they might find very useful. Um and, you know, it's it's not the end of the world. In fact I'm nearly more concerned for students where the leaving cert is not about entry into university because we tend in this country to be obsessed and see the leaving cert as purely uh getting your points in the CAO, there are a lot of students who don't go on to third level and the leading search is very important for them because it is maybe the only um, Exam, educational yeah. qualification that they yeah. have. That's a good point. And, That's and, a really um, good point. You know, and uh, one of our listeners, Anita, says, hi, I'm a parent of two leaving search students. Can I ask, please? <laughs> yeah, what's a busy household. What's happening with my daughter's agri-science project? She has it at home at the moment. We're waiting for clarification. Do we hand the project into the school or not? We're waiting for clarification as well on project. That's one of the, the issues that we will, we're hoping to get clarification on. Like, for example, the, the Home Economic Journals, which is another project work, have gone to the State Exams Commission and have been marked. Now, okay. they've said they're going to send all projects that have gone in back to the schools, but one would assume they're going to say use that mark. And in fact, if I was a teacher and I'd advise any teacher, how could you change the state exam? So, so in other words, that 20% is dealt with, so you're only grading out of the, the other 80%. So um, we don't know the exact details. Um, on but most of those, projects, pro- like, like Anita's daughter, those, yeah, those projects are complete. Are they at this stage? They're just, are she, are, well, I think it probably varies from school yeah. to school. That's the other problem with this. Some people will say, well, have it done by then. I don't know what, off the top of my head about the Ag Science Project, whether it was due by a certain date and it's complete. I don't know. That's all I can say. We are waiting guidance from the department and clarity. We need clarity on a lot of issues. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hopefully we will be getting them. We will be getting them very soon. We will have to get them very soon because really the process can start. A teacher can't start doing this process until those guidelines. And also they have promised there will be online uh, training as well for the teachers so they yeah, should do the training There's no way the these grades can be in by the end of May um, dear It seems unlikely yeah. at this stage is all I can say yeah. but that's what that's what the, the government are, are hoping for okay. um, but they will need to get the, the, the system up and running very very quickly And while we have you on the line the other big question uh, schools and will schools reopen in September what's, what's your view? I don't know is the answer to that I can't see them but this me, I'm not a health expert, and that's okay. we will always say we will be guided by the health experts on this. But um, I, I can't see them opening certainly as normal in September, um, because um, unless things change dramatically. But but uh, that's down to the, the national health team. And that's to because give of what social distancing. Well, there'd be social distancing. I mean, they, they're 
there's obviously there's issues about social distancing and then and also on how many people can can you fill a whole school and social distancing in a school um you know is very difficult while it's difficult for the three the four five six year olds in a primary school social distancing trying to impose social distancing on teenagers is pretty difficult as well um so I, I would hate to be trying to do that in a school so I don't know whether they're going to open in a limited way, maybe some classes in one day, other classes another day, whether they'll concentrate on next year's, sixth year's, third year's, maybe first year's. I don't know. That's down to decisions between the department and the, the health experts, and we would presume to be involved in those discussions as well when they take place. My feeling is that in terms of second-level schools at the moment, all the energy and thought in the department is going into getting the leading search uh, over the over the hump, and then mm. maybe they'd start looking at what. But I suppose the the argument if if they couldn't have the leaving certs come into the school to sit an exam the yeah. end of July into August, how can schools reopen on the first of September? Certainly, in a normal way, it would seem it would seem very difficult. I know there was there was um, the, the, the Taoiseach yesterday was talking about how it was one of the safest things for schools to open, but I think we, we'll need to see a little more evidence of that before we we jump at that. Yeah, and, and, and we, I think we were that was concerned about the health and safety of our members and students. And one of the issues, of course, is that while young people may be less susceptible, although the evidence is, I think, if the jury's out a bit on that, that also the teachers are not the young. Some of them will have underlying conditions. You know, some of them will be pregnant, and a lot of them will have concerns about going back to school. And we'll have to be uh, assured that it is perfectly safe for our members to go back to schools before we be agreeing to it. Okay. All right, uh, dear Mr. there's still a lot of questions and a lot of clarity uh, needed. Uh, so you've got a busy few weeks ahead of you. Uh, we'll, we'll speak again, no doubt. But in the meantime, thank you for that and thanks Be for joining us. Good morning to you. Thank you very much. Bye uh, bye. That is uh, dear Dermot Dupuer, who is the Deputy General Secretary of the Association of Secondary Teachers of uh, Ireland. And uh, we invited Dermot just to try and get some clarity because it is, you know, when I heard the news on Friday that the Leaving Cert was gone, I said, okay, at least a little bit of certainty because so many and we had heard from some of the students and some of, of the parents they finding it very difficult to study at home. Some were very focused, some you know, the transition of not going to school and studying at home worked for some, but for a lot it didn't and then there was other young people who were in situations where they ended up as childminders minding younger siblings because parents were out at work, uh, others living in very cramped conditions, impossible for them to find any space uh, to study. And then there's another cohort of students who just could, can't get motivated. They need to they need to be sitting in a classroom being motivated by their peers and by their teachers in order to study properly. So there was a lot of anxiety and uncertainty around the Leaving Cert. So I was delighted in one way when I heard they had decided to not to scrap the leave insert. Felt sorry for the students who really wanted to go ahead and sit their exam, but at least they had some certainty. But then when you start looking in to the calculated grades, I mean, they straight away dropped the phraseology of predicted grades, which is what we were expecting to hear about. Now, that's gone to this calculated grades instead. And when you dig down through it, I was reading up some stuff on it last night. There are just, sort of every paragraph I read I had a question. You know, you'd read something and you go, but, you'd read something else, but, how is that going to work? There's just, so it doesn't surprise me to hear Dermot Ware say that when he came out of a meeting of teachers with three fool's cap pages of points all related to questions and queries, so there's a lot of work 
still to be done. While they won't sit the traditional Leaving Cert, there's still a lot of work to done to be done before this Leaving Cert class of 2020 actually get a piece of paper in their hand telling them what their results are. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp app to 0862-103-103. Cork today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. The Department of Rural and Community Development has launched a plan called Community Call to support the work of the people who are ensuring that the most vulnerable in our community are kept safe and well. Each local council has established a community response forum to coordinate COVID-19-related community supports. As part of this, each local authority has established a helpline that vulnerable people can phone if they are looking for basic services such as delivery of food or meals or transport for essential trips. If you want to volunteer, you can register with your local volunteer centre or sign up online at www.i-vol.ie Some volunteer roles will be directly related to the COVID-19 outbreak while others may be related to helping community organisations to keep normal services running. Stay safe and stay up to date with all COVID-19 information at c103.ie Celebrity Sees. Guess the celebs to grab the cash on C103. Hello, who's that? Um, Mary T. Carson. C. 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 Ben Affleck, Oprah Winfrey and... Tony O'Donoghue. Tony O'Donoghue, the sports presenter. The sports presenter, yeah. Mm, Mary. Yes. You just won! <laughs> Listen, well done and delighted for you. Yeah, that's great. You've made my day. Simon Celebrity Sees. Play weekday mornings on Cork's More Music Breakfast. On C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Norma's been on saying, Chris, have you any idea when the swimming pools are going to reopen? Swimming pools on the road map uh, is down for the 20th of July. Public swimming pools can be opened where effective cleaning can be carried out and social distancing can be maintained. So that will be for, I assume, for that from individual swimming pools and if they have enough staff on. But it's at the moment, it's set, they are set to reopen on the 20th of July. And then Mary was on about podiatrists. Do we know when Podiatrists are set to uh, reopen. I would assume that podiatrists would be a little bit like the beauticians and the hairdressers. On the 20th of July, they say employers who cannot work remotely are to be considered first for return to on-site working. So I'm assuming that it would fall into that. But if it's a medical issue that you're going to your podiatrist for, I would suggest, Mary, you contact your podiatrist yourself and just see they may be doing emergency appointments. So just anything like that, that there's a query that it could be health related. I'm always saying to people, just put a call through. It's the same with dentists. We're saying to anybody who's got dental issues, your first port of call is to contact your own dentist to see are they doing emergencies. And if not, you will be able to find uh, a dentist uh, locally. And then dog grooming is another one that's come up. Uh, Where's that one gone? A listener says, Patricia, you're wondering when dog grooming when is this service going to be going to be back? And actually, we have Jane, our resident vet, joining us later. So I will talk to, if I get Jean Paul to remind me to talk to and ask Jane about 
dog grooming because there are a number of people have issues with their dogs and feel that their dogs need to be groomed. Now the ISPCA did issue us with a press release yesterday advising dog groomers that they can provide an emergency service for clients where dogs need urgent grooming that would prevent welfare problems. So if you're having an issue with your dog and you feel it is a welfare issue because your dog so badly needs to be groomed then get on to your own again your own groomer and uh, set up an emergency appointment and then shoe shops somebody's looking for shoe shops to reopen it will depend on the size of the shoe shop because on the from the 8th of June smaller shops are allowed to open and then on the 28th of June you have larger non-essential retail stores uh, opening on a phased basis so it will depend on the size of the shoe shop uh, and as to when it opens and again a lot of the shoe shops doing fantastic work they've gone online so if you go onto their Facebook page for example they're posting out shoes uh, to people some local shops if you're going for a walk down the main street and there's, there's a shoe shop they'll have shoes in the window and they'll have details of how you can do you know click and collect or they'll post them out to you so there are ways around getting shoes as well and as always we're constantly saying to people because there's a huge amount gone online and a lot lot of people are buying online. Try where possible to support a local business. If you need, like that, for example, if you need a new pair of uh, shoes, rather than straight away just Googling and going online and buying from an overseas company, see if there's a local shoe shop, a local business. A lot of the local businesses have adapted and they're doing an online service as well. And just the local property tax. This was a real coincidence. The local property tax, we had some queries in on Monday or Tuesday from people saying what's happening with the local property tax because they initially were due to be paid on the 21st of March and then that was pushed out to the 21st of May and obviously we're getting very close to the date for the 21st of May for the local property tax to be paid and people were wondering do we need to have the money ready for that? Particularly people who uh, temporarily have been laid off and you know money is tight at the moment. So we got on to revenue to say could you update us and let us know please what's happening with the collection of the local property tax and they got back this was yesterday they got back to us just before the close of the programme to say complete coincidence they were just about to issue a press release about the local property tax and an extension of the local property tax uh, deduction date so they tell us now that the because of the ongoing situation with regards to COVID-19 the deduction date for property owners who opt to pay their local property tax by an annual direct de- debit has now now been extended to the 21st of July. Okay, so it was originally 21st of March, then the 21st of May, and they've now pushed it out even further. So fair dues to uh, revenue. They're giving people a chance to get back to work and back up and running. So the 21st of July, if you pay your local property tax by direct debit. On the leaving cert and the calculated grades that we spoke with Dermot Puer of the ASTI. Claire, one of our listeners, says, I'm a woman in my mid-60s and when I was in school, there was always favouritism in the classroom. So Claire worries about that. When teachers are sitting down to do calculated grades, will they give a higher grade to the teacher's pet in the classroom? You would hope that that's not happening today. Uh, Are there still teacher's pets? I don't know. But yeah, it's just this whole calculated grade is just fraught with so many difficulties and then teachers also have to be protected to make sure 
that they're not being seen, that they're biased against one student over the other student. Now, seemingly the Department of Education, I was on their website uh, reading up about it yesterday. They're putting in many checks and balances to make sure that nothing like that can happen. And the grade that a student actually gets might not be the exact grade that the teacher was given because there'll be more checks uh, along the way. So hopefully with all of the checks and balances that the Department of Education say they're putting in place, hopefully that will mitigate against anyone having a particular pet and a teacher's pet in the classroom. Thank you for your call. 1850 Let me stay on education and I suppose more importantly other, the big focus seems to be on the Leaving Cert students but what about other students and how they're being affected by being out of school? That's what Billy wants to talk about. Good morning to you Billy. Good morning Patricia. Billy, I, I'm very well thank you. You have a daughter in fifth year. Fifth year, yes. So Leaving Cert this time next year is what she'll be heading into. Yeah. Yeah. And how is she coping with the homeschooling and all of that? She's fine. They're getting getting plenty of work through either on phone, laptop or tablet. But um, yeah, there's plenty to do, but it's still probably not the same as being in a class situation with the teacher there to actually answer questions or such on you, with you. Yeah, some children just need that motivation, don't they, of being in the classroom well, with the no, teacher? She, I mean, she's, she is well motivated, but it's just that the, with previous experience, you will say your your course is completed basically by the end of fifth year. Mm. And when you go back, in, when you go into your leaving sector year, after the Christmas holidays, will say, your experience is basically practice on previous exam papers and just refining your techniques for answering questions and revision, revision, revision. You have your course done. Yeah. Most of your work is done in fifth year. Now, this, this year's fifth years are basically, I want to are losing out on two, three or four months of, of school work. But um, they're, in a, they're in an unusual situation compared to previous fifth year classes. This year's leaving step, I'm, I'm glad things are started for them as regards they, they know what they, they have finality as regards being able to reset the exam if they're not happy with the grade that they're being assessed by. But the fifth years are... There's, there's no one talking about the fifth years. Yeah, yeah, you're That's right. Like, Whereas mean, the other classes yeah. will have more years to pick up on this last period of school. Oh, the Leaving yeah. Cert class of 2021 will have very little time. The, the, they, they, this is it because we'll say leaving staff class of 2020 last year would have would have had the work done. Mm. I mean, at the end of February, it would have been in the situation, looking forward to the exam, hopefully, and just revising, revising, revising. Will the there be any form of summer exams for them this year? Has your daughter, uh, the school, saying anything about so that? They are getting exams as, as we speak now at uh, 10 o'clock this morning. There was a math exam for an hour. Okay. Yeah. And it was timed for an hour, like, and that that's completed now. And there's another one from twelve to one, and she's something else from two to three. I think this these are her summer because she'd be coming close to wrapping up the school year. Oh, certainly, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, you you still have in the you don't know whether it's going to be September, yeah, September or October when you when you go back. And uh, I will, I, I'll, I'd be thinking possibly that when they do go back, that you'll be doing trying to catch up on the work you've missed now maybe after school or maybe in the evenings. 
that will mean teachers will have to extend their working day. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just, 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 just my idea. Like. Yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not, yeah. it's not a bad suggestion. And I know, I mean, I think it's looking very unlikely that schools are going to reopen in September. I mean, if you talk to any teachers, they oh, they're all giving the reasons why schools can't open. Can't open. Um, the one thing I had, the only time I have heard your daughter's class mentioned, there. It's expected that when if schools do start sometime in September, that they may just bring in the, that leaving cert class, give them a little bit of a head start. I mean, if they have to limit the amount of students in the school, they've got to focus on the exam years. I mean, that's oh, the, yes. that's only fair that they would focus on the exam well, years. You'd, you'd imagine so, yeah. And is she and is she missing out on the whole thing of being out with her friends and? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, but there's no there's no question about that. Like, yeah, it's I tough. Mean, it, it is it tough. Is very, very tough. It is like. tough. And I mean, another situation, we, we, well, I presume anyone with the school transport will be faced with now is do you purchase the ticket in advance like you normally have done, like, and pay your 350 euros and hope the bus runs? And if the bus runs, will the bus be full? Will it be a, a quarter capacity? or? How many seats will be on that bus? Well, if you were, if you were just say you were 50, 53 or 54 seat or bus, <laughs> I don't know, mm. would be 15 or 20, 15. Yeah, usually it's roughly a fifth. Like. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's so much there, needs to be yeah, decided between now and then. There is very little mention of this. Yeah, year, you're this right. Year. You're right. You're right. So well, well done for mentioning him. Yeah. Thanks, Billy. Okay, no okay yeah, stay safe. You. 1850 And just to say hi to David from David O'Grady, originally from Whelan Village and listening to us online in London. Said a message for your programme, uh, Patricia. You had people yesterday contacting you with concerns over the face masks. And one of the points that was being made a lot of people don't like using face masks if they wear glasses glasses because your spectacles steam up. Well, can I give you an old motorcycle tip? You smear the spectacle lenses in washing up liquid and then wipe it off with a clean cloth. It will give you many hours of fog-free viewing. I never knew that. And secondly, on the homemade face mask that many people are making at home, if they sew into the bridge of the mask where it meets your nose, some plastic covered garden wire. It'll mould around the bridge of your nose and it gives you a much more secure uh, fit. Yeah, and I saw somebody else actually online suggest if you use a pipe cleaner. You know, the pipe cleaners that children children use, you can sew one of those in as well to the homemade mask just over and it fits it more snugly over the bridge of your nose and that actually helps to stop the fogging up of uh, glasses. Anyway, back to David who says, kind regards, enjoy your show on, on my internet radio while in lockdown. It's good to have you uh, Alan. That's David O'Grady, originally from Whelan but listening to us in uh, London. 1850 333 103 and just on the podiatrist, when somebody was asking about the podiatrist, Martin was on to say he's diabetic and he actually got a letter from his doctor saying it's okay for him to travel on the bus to see his chiropodist because people with diabetes must look after their feet so it may be possible for that person to look for the podiatrist if it's a medical issue to check in with your doctor and you may be able to get a letter which will allow you to uh, travel. Thank you for that uh, Martin. Now we will all have a role to play in kick-starting the economy with the opening up of shops and businesses in the coming weeks and months. So shopping locally is going to be more important than ever 
Joining me with what I think is a great idea to keep our Euros here in Cork is Green Party City Councillor Colette Finn. Good morning to you, Colette. Hello, Patricia. Um, How are you? I'm very well. Now, you want this city to introduce a local currency. Just outline your plan and, and what you're thinking behind this. Well, I suppose that's not quite the suggestion I made. Um, it was um, picked up by um, the examiner and, and uh, they went with the headline. But it's really about how communities come together when cash is scarce. Um, and it's, it's what's called cooperative currencies. Now, it, it runs in tandem with euros. So it's not... Um, Instead to, of? It's not trying to set up um, a core currency okay. per se. So it's basically um, when people lose their jobs, they lose access to the money system. and But they still have needs and um, they still have skills. And so it's a way of matching up... Uh, unmet needs with the, with the resources that are in the community. And I suppose it's one of these things that uh, it's needed when recessions hit. Um, but, you know, when money becomes more uh, available, it kind of dies down again. So I was kind of trying to anticipate that, you know, with the, the difficulties that we have, with people being short of cash, that there are these other ideas out there around how people can move resources around um, the community um, by coming together and having these cooperative ideas. Okay, and I know there are things like, I mean, Cork Chamber, they have a gift card scheme and similar schemes operate in different towns as well. That's right, we, it, it kind of a voucher, a yeah. voucher system. But I suppose it's the idea is really, you know, say, for instance, a babysitting circle. So if people are out of work, but they are actually sitting at home and they can... Um, provide services to other people. Similarly, with car journeys and stuff like that, uh, if you're if you're making a journey, and it's really, I suppose, what I was trying to say to the city council is, you need you need an introductory service. You need you need a mechanism to. Um, you know, join up those those types of ideas and needs, uh, and that's what these cooperative currencies actually do. They 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 link people up, mm. and it's a way of linking people. Um, and also, it's very much community based, so it's very much based on um, people doing for one another. Um, you know, and we've seen that in this latest crisis that people are more than willing to help out, and if they can, they will. Um, and I suppose I'm just anticipating that if people are locked out of paid work, they still have needs. Um, and it's just these ideas are out there. It's based on a, a book I came across called Rethinking Money, which describes over 4,000 uh, local currencies that have evolved over the years where people lose access to, to the, the money system, but they still have to be able to function. Within within society, and this okay. this is this is these what these ideas and, and are. And when shops reopen, uh, Colette and, and local businesses are back up and uh, running. It's so important that those that have cash support exactly. them. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I suppose 
some people will actually have cash and and it it is a way of of the you know encouraging them to invest but for people who don't have cash it's also to to look at how can you link them up if they ha- if they need something doing but they if they physically can't pay for it like like say a babysitting that that those people would come together and at least one person uh, gets a, gets uh, to go out or whatever yeah you know? yeah they share sharing your sharing, sharing your skills. economy basically yeah yes, yeah exactly um, oh, and because a lot of people have taken to shopping online uh, Colette is would you worry that business could be lost. To the yeah. online companies, yeah. Yeah, and I, I suppose um, the policymakers are, are kind of paying catch-up when it comes to, um, I suppose, digital online companies paying paying their fair share for, you know, the services that um, have to be provided, like the health service, like the education service. They, they benefit from those things and they need to be making a contribution towards that. So... Part of the difficulty with online businesses is the extent to which they have been, a, you know, they have been able to avoid uh, paying for the sorts of services that we're all getting used to as, as being normal. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, you have to have some kind of a, a business plan in order to support your business. Um, and government is no different. Um, so that's part of the difficulty around say, online shopping, you know, it kind of goes up into the cloud as such. Mm. Um, you know, so that is that that is that difficulty there. Yeah, absolutely. OK, just while we have you on as a Green Party member, what are your views on your party in talks at the moment to form a government with Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael? Well, I mean, there's a lot of change that needs to happen. And uh, if the other parties are up for it, great. But if they're not... Um, you know, I think we we do need to to continue to make the arguments that there needs to be significant change if we are to meet our commitments and to have a future for our children and for our children's children. It's going to be a very tough time, though, to be in government. A very tough post time. Post-pandemic. Absolutely. OK, listen, Colette, we leave it there. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. OK, Patricia, Good morning to you. you. Bye-bye. That is Cork City Councillor, Green Party Councillor, uh, Colette uh, Finn. And while I'm rocking through emails, trying to get through as many emails as uh, possible, we got an email in from a Noberto Lewis Carmody from Argentina who says, listening to C103 Cork, very good music. I don't speak English perfectly, but with Google Translate, Translator, I can write and send Greetings and hugs to all your listeners to the to your radio station. My ancestors are from that city. Greetings from Buenos Aires in Argentina. And that's Noberto Luis Carmody. Isn't that great? <laughs> Small world in which we live. And another e- email in from AT to say hi. If this virus is spread by your mouth, why is the government telling us we don't need to be wearing face masks? Is it because it would put too much pressure on su- the supply of them? Also, why aren't the governments of the world making the laboratories that are looking for a cure to share their information? Wouldn't that speed up their research or is it all about money for them? Well, on, on both points, the the face mask one, yes, I think the government have already come out and said and they are offering advice around the, around face masks and they are saying that they want people to use homemade face masks not to go for the surgical ones because they don't want to put pressure on the PPE gear that we need for the hospital. So yes, you're correct on, on that. And as to the laboratories that are coming up with cures and are coming up with vaccines, anything I've read 
online any of the medical journal stuff I've read online they are all working like they've never worked before because usually pharmaceutical companies would be very protective if they're you know going after something that's a cure for example they wouldn't want to be sharing it with anyone else, with anyone else. so whatever about the cures certainly on the vaccine there's a lot of work going on and different universities and different laboratories and different pharma companies are all sharing information because uh, there's because everyone accepts that once the vaccine whoever makes the vaccine it gets shared worldwide so they are sharing as much and all of the knowledge that they're gathering at the moment so certainly that is going on 1850 333 103 lines open C103 Jobs Irish yogurts based in Clonakilty they're recruiting for an accounting technician and a part-time rigid truck driver is wanted for hauling soil and our stone that's in the Kinsale area. And a skilled worker is wanted for work in the North Cork area. You need to have a full driver's licence. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today on C103. With Mallow College. Now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie It's time to say Due to COVID-19, cocooning is advised for all people over 70 years old. If a family member or friend is cocooning, here's some helpful advice. They should stay home and avoid face-to-face contact. Keep in touch by phone or online. Stay mobile by moving as much as possible. Go for a short walk while maintaining strict social distancing. Ask others to get shopping or medicine. Use the phone to contact their GP or other services. And remember, no visitors except for essential carers. It's time to stay this message is supported by Home Instead Senior Care. Their staff are fully equipped to ensure your loved one's safety in their own homes. See homeinstead.ie. For COVID-19 updates and information, stay listening to C103. As Monday sees the first phase of the easing of the lockdown restrictions, many families are anxiously waiting for the day that they will be allowed to visit their loved ones in nursing homes. Tyg Daly is the Chief Executive of Nursing Homes Ireland and Tyg joins me on the programme. Uh, good morning to you, Tyg. Good morning, Patricia. Good uh, to speak with you again. And great to speak with you. Do you agree with the HSC that when people are finally allowed to visit, it's going to have to be done in a very careful manner? Absolutely. I mean, I've been on your programme before talking about when we announced restrictions on visiting back on the 6th of March, and that was done with a heavy heart, as I said at the time, and, and very, very carefully. Uh, and absolutely, any easing of visitor restrictions has to be the priority, both the safety of, of welfare of, of residents and staff. Um, and in that regard, we have uh, published our own, I suppose, discussion document internally, which we shared with the Minister just this week. So I, I think we do need to have the conversation, um, but it needs to be done very sensibly, very carefully. Uh, and to ensure that it's done under a policy that public health can stand over effectively because the last thing we need to do now, obviously, is to reintroduce or, in some cases, introduce the the virus into a residential care setting. What effect is it having on the residents not having vi- uh, visitors? I mean, look, it, it, it varies, I suppose, is the short answer, to be honest, Patricia. You know, the, the, the residents in North Shams are not a homogeneous group like ourselves. Uh, some people prefer their own company. Uh, I'm a social animal myself and I like company all the time. So we're all different, I suppose, is what I'd say to you on that, on that regard. But I'd also say to you that, you know, the, the, the 
staff and the management and the owners and people who work in nursing homes, they know the residents very, very well. And they know the ones and they know the times of the day and they know the ones who need a bit more of a G-up, as it were, and a bit more contact than others. Um, so I wouldn't underestimate the value of the staff and residents. Now, that will never replace, obviously, immediate family. But they're as close as family as you will get. Um, so for some people, I have no doubt, like it is for people in the community, the, 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 the lockdown uh, and the, the absence, uh, you know, uh, families, I hear families talking about, you know, younger children, for example. Uh, I see some, a study last night where they said that, you know, the 15 to 24-year-olds and the over 65s were hardest hit by the by the lockdown. So nursing home residents would be no different in, mm. in, in that respect. But we do need to start looking at that horizon, uh, however uh, far away it may be or however soon it may be. Um, and it may be a case of looking at, you know, uh, rating, as it were, some nursing homes and saying, look, if a nursing home has, has never had COVID, um, you know, can they open maybe first? Or can there be yeah. a certain wing of a nursing home that can be open? So if you have a, you know, a large nursing home, it might be using... Uh, one wing where residents and staff uh, could organise to meet families one-to-one. But it will be very controlled. And I mean, I don't want to give any sense to your listeners this morning that it's going to be back to the... That the, the front door norm. is going to be thrown open and anybody can come in? No, I mean, like our view very, very uh, strongly is that it has to be very well managed, almost like an appointment system. Um, you know, certain hours of the day, for example, it would it would be, you know, maybe a maximum of two named uh, visitors, for example, and that people would have to, you know, declare that they haven't had COVID or that they're not in contact with someone. So we need to protect, I mean, the, the duty of care of nursing homes is to protect the residents in in their care. And that has to be uppermost in our minds. Um, and I'm conscious as well that it, it's health and social care. So the socialisation is very important. But the last thing we need to do now is, is to act, I suppose, uh, hastily and do something that we would turn around to regret Absolutely, to absolutely and you know credit where credit is due nursing homes and there's been wonderful evidence of it on social media mm. are doing everything that they can to keep the residents uh, entertained and social media has, has been used and technology should I say has been used yes. you know with FaceTiming and Zoom calls Yeah absolutely look I suppose we're the year, the year that we live in you know, we we wouldn't have imagined how maybe useful social media. Sometimes social media is the bane of all our lives, uh, but but technology in this regard has been very very helpful for nursing home residents. And you're absolutely right. I've seen it all over the country. We have some on our own Facebook and some on our own website where you know residents are still very much engaged uh, with families or with loved ones outside of the nursing home. So you know, the nursing home is taking its responsibility very seriously in that regard to ensure that every opportunity that can be. We engaged, for example, in the very early stage around a letter-writing campaign uh, called uh, um, Comfort Words. Uh, obviously, on post, engaged with us at one stage around the cards that people could send yeah, to the residents. Yeah. So I think what we've got to do is maintain creative creativity. Likewise, over the, the coming weeks and months, hopefully the weather will continue to improve. You know, so you could have maybe not a garden party, but you could have outdoor. Uh, well, actually, this, this, I saw thing, in, in in particular nursing homes. In you know, one, so I think we need to look at all those all those elements. In one of our own nursing homes, Nazareth House in Mallow, last weekend, yes. um, Hank Widell, who's a very well known oh, uh, yes. sing, singer songwriter, yeah, and actually his own mum is a resident in Nazareth House. He set up in the garden, and <laughs> loads of the residents came out, and it was yes. lo- it was a bright day. It was a bit chilly, but they all had blankets around them, and he he did a little concert for them for about an hour, and it was just fantastic to see. 
Oh, happy memories of Hank Wiedela, probably back in the old Delaney yeah. House in Cork he's, many years ago. Well, he's, he's still uh, singing. He's still he's still in fine <laughs> voice. He's still in fine yeah. voice. But you're absolutely okay. right. And that happens across the country. I, even recently in Cork, I, I've seen a situation whereby they were projecting uh, a picture on, this, on the gable end of a nursing home yeah. so the residents could actually watch a film. Yeah, uh, so we need to look at all those things as well. They're just because you know, we're in a new world, yeah. whether, we like, whether we like it or not. And um, look, the private and voluntary nursing home sector and the people are, all, you know, the nursing homes are around Mallow and North Cork. They're resilient. Uh, they're very committed people uh, to their residents and to their staff. And you can be fully assured that they'll be using every creative method to ensure that residents can get back to what would be regarded as much as, as, as normal as we would as we would like. And at this stage, have all nursing home staff and residents, have, has everybody now been tested? Yes, as of two, as of Monday of this week, everybody has been tested. Yeah, and the the actual test rate, um, and I got some figures there on Monday. Three point seven percent of the entire uh, nursing home population had tested, uh, were asymptomatic. Sorry, were tested positive. So uh, that's a positive. Uh, but I think the next question for us now, and that will be part of the decision around reopening, for example, is the retesting program. Mm. Because testing, as you know, is only a point in time. Yeah. So what we've got to do now is ensure that, as uh, I said, that we don't introduce or reintroduce the, the virus into any, any facility. And is there so, any talks of a retesting program? Yes, I'm. I was just before I was uh, took your call this morning. I know the HSE had a, a press conference which I was watching, and I believe there is a paper being presented this afternoon in terms of what that would uh, in terms of what that would look like. Uh, because we've we've uh, made a strong point that you know the retesting is critical um, to ensure, as I say, that that we can uh, manage and monitor and isolate cases. Uh, because nursing homes like. While there has been a sharp focus on nursing homes, I think there's two points I would make as well. The vast majority of residents in nursing homes who contracted COVID have recovered. Mm. I saw, I think, 103 or 106 year old ladies during the week um, who had recovered from COVID. And the other point I'd make is that what we've got to do now is ensure that the, the testing regime isolates you know people as appropriate so you could have a 50 60 70 bed nursing home with maybe two or three residents unfortunately diagnosed positive with covid but they can be cared for in, in as i say in a wing of the home or indeed in their own rooms for a period so that the rest of the home can continue uh, as, as normal as, as, yeah. as normal as, yeah. as, we, as we could anticipate absolutely and no issue around staffing in nursing homes is that all under control well, look, it'll always be challenging, I suppose, as long as we have the virus. That's one of the things that I suppose none of us have a crystal ball around how long is this going to be with us. And in reality, until we get a vaccine, it's going to be a challenge. I mean, I had a conversation yesterday with people in the HSE around the flu, the flu vaccine. You know, so talking about the flu vaccine in May is very unusual. But again, we've got to be prepared for the flu vaccine or the flu season when that comes later in the year. So it's going to be with us for a while. That will have an impact ultimately on residents, but it will also have an impact on staffing. So um, but there are opportunities in the nursing home sector. Unfortunately, many of our, our friends and neighbours have lost their, their jobs in the current uh, economic downturn. So there will be some opportunities there for some people to go into a caring role. The other challenge will be nurses, and particularly from overseas. Um, and I heard the HSE again talking about that this week as well. You know, we depend on the health service generally on a large number of nurses from overseas. And because there's um, restrictions on, on travel, uh, that is having an impact on nurses. So again, we've got to, you know, not, not today or tomorrow, but plan what that will look like 
in the in the Going weeks forward. And, in the weeks and months ahead. Absolutely. Yeah, different world. We 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 will all come out of this in a very different world. Tyke, we leave absolutely. it there. Thank you for that. Thank we'll, you for the opportunity. Okay, we'll talk you. again. Bye bye. That Thank is uh, Tyke Daly, who is the chief executive of Nursing Home uh, Ireland. Uh, nursing homes will reopen, but it's uh, it's another uh, it's another number of weeks away uh, because I know people are desperate to get in and see their their loved ones, but it will be have to have to be done. And I think everybody will agree it can only be done in a very mindful and very careful uh, way because nobody but nobody wants to bring COVID-19 with them into a nursing home and pass it on to a a loved one. 1850-333-103 John Paul and Sadie taking your calls with a reminder the pet questions you can get those into us text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 Court today on C103 With Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September Plan your future education See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie this morning, listener Marion McCroom picked up over €1,500 Euro on Celebrity Seas. Tony O'Donoghue. Tony O'Donoghue. Yeah. Off of RTE. Ben Ashley, Oprah Winfrey and Tony O'Donoghue. Mary. <laughs> You've just won! €1,540! <laughs> <laughs> Euro. Make sure you're waking up with C103. Back tomorrow at 6. C103. For C103 photos, videos and more, follow us on Instagram and get a good look at what's going on across Cork. Search Instagram for at C103 Cork. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. And we're going to Fomoy Guard the station for this week's uh, Guard the File with uh, Sergeant John Kelly. Uh, Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, we've got a number of thefts that you want to deal with. Yeah, overall things have, have been quite enough. Um, there have been a few of what I would describe as uh, localised type of thefts. Um, um, and by that I mean uh, the answers to them may lay somewhere in the local, in the local community because, you, you know, we have uh, a high volume of checkpoints all around the country. Um, so, you know, this type of theft, uh, the answer may lie somewhere in the local community. Because criminals um, are not travelling around as they did before for fear of being cor- stopped. Correct, yeah. yeah. With, the odd ex- with the odd exception, I'll, I'll come to one attempted burglary there later, which would book the trend all right. Um, so to start with, uh, theft of a wheelbarrow from back garden. Um, everybody's kind of in the garden at the moment. Uh, there's a high spot growth. We've got very good weather, and it's an outlet for people. You know, when there is a when there is a lockdown and they're not able to do anything else, people are concentrating a lot. I suppose on their gardens and painting and everything else. Um, so we come to Tuesday, uh, the twelfth to fifth, sometime between eight p.m. Tuesday night and five thirty p.m. on the Wednesday. A wheelbarrow was taken from back garden at Deer Park from I again. You know, the, the answer to that quite likely lies, lies locally. And any information that anyone has, Gary it from I uh, would, would appreciate a call on that. You know, that's 025 Um Six cast iron chairs and a table were taken from Rossa in Donorail. Now, that was on the Monday, Monday uh, last, and that was between 10 p.m. and 11 a.m. Now, you so, need a transport yeah. for that? They need a transport for that, yeah. Transport. But I would think it probably, in all uh, likelihood, wasn't going maybe, uh, you know, any more than probably 20 miles anyway. You know, now, as I say, that's that's just conjecture on my part, but it's, it's, it's quite likely, again, with the uh, little traffic on the road and with the fact that there's, there's checkpoints popping up everywhere and anywhere, you know. Yeah. Um, so, again, uh, the, the third item there we have is a black 
GPW 3000 power washer, which was stolen from the back garden of a house in Charleville. That's on Friday last, the 8th of the 5th. Now, if anyone, uh, that was Bluebell Crescent in Charleville. So that's three items. Um, and if anyone was asked, uh, you know, to buy items like that, you know, for them to just to, to, to think back, are they buying something that, uh, you know, that's has been, been stolen? stolen. Yeah. You know, so just to keep an eye on that. Um, the other item there we have, um, there's a, an attempted break-in um, there at a petrol station in the Corrie Glass area. Uh, and that was on Monday night. Um, Monday night, uh, sorry, Monday morning, um, very early Monday morning, around 2 47 a.m. in the morning, the alarm activated there. Uh, there was an attempt to enter the premises. Now, my colleagues uh, on mobile patrol were there within five minutes, uh, and uh, they, the culprits got away. Now, we believe that's connected to uh, a break-in that happened in Galbally, so, which isn't that much distance away across country. Now, we are looking for a black golf with black allies. Um, there was a 172 plate seen on it, but... Um, 172 is quite likely, um, uh, you know, a false number that has been put on it, you know, mm-hmm. for, for the purposes of doing crime. But in all likelihood, it is a, a car of that vintage. I'd say a one, uh, 161 or a 171, uh, black golf anyway, with black allies we're looking for. If anyone met it that time in the morning, um, if they could see anything, they, again, to gather it for my 0258 to 100. Um, Last item there that we have is uh, a milk and parlour at Corbally Glanworth. Um, there was various cattle medicines taken from that, and that was again early uh, Tuesday night um, between 10 p.m. on Tuesday night and 8 o'clock on Monday morning. Now, with something like cattle medicine and like stolen from, uh, you know, from a milk and parlour or from a farm like that. Again, the answer may lie in, in the local community or not too far away. So we'd appreciate if anyone has any information, you know, to you know, to give us a call, you know. Okay. Um, finally, if I could mention, um, just the fact that the hedgerows are, the are blooming and are literally, they're extending out onto the roadway in quite a number of places and we are getting calls there. And um, in particular, one call that we got, uh, they are locally resident there in Red Cormac, Castle Lines, be a paramount there they're concerned and this applies to all over as regards you know the back roads they're 80 kilometers you know they're very narrow roads in a lot of instances you know and um on that road you know residents there have seen almost uh very lucky escapes where cars have nearly met head on you know and they're very fearful coming out onto the driveways now the same thing applies all over the country we're in silent season you just don't know what's around the, the next corner. It could and be there's a also a lot of people out for walks with more with people having more time on their hands with uh, lockdown. That was the next point I was going to make, uh, Patricia. There's a huge volume of people walking all around the country, way more so than 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 at any time in the last couple of years. You know, they're taking advantage of, of their 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 two K and you know and the walking roads. No, the vast majority of people are, are wearing high vis jackets. But at the same uh, event, I'm seeing people walking with young children, with with children on bicycles. And as I say, uh, you know, and I would draw attention, you know, anyone with uh, any silage operators in particular out there, you know, there are some other silage rigs, you, you know, and they're driving on. 
they're driving yeah. on. And, uh, you know, for, for people just to bear it in mind, you know, there could be young children, there could be anyone walking on, on, on the road. And and uh, just please do exercise caution and restraint when they're driving, you know. Yeah, we'll just keep, keep everybody safe. All right, John, listen, thank Absolutely. you for that. Thank and uh, stay much. safe yourself and uh, we'll talk again soon. That is Sergeant John Kelly, based here from Moygar this day. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And Breida in Mallow, thank you to Breida for your photographs that she sent in by uh, WhatsApp to say how shocked she was that uh, she's noticed that large trees have been cut down in Mallow Town Park. Uh, She says they're the ones by the bank of the river. And what she was most worried about when she sent in the original photographs was that herons nest there. And she cannot understand how these trees have been allowed to be cut down. And particularly it's nesting time of the year for birds. She's really shocked and saddened to see these. And they're huge trees. I passed Mallow Town Park at the weekend and saw what was left of the trees you know they were they'd been felled and they were cutting up the the wood but they're massive really really massive trees I didn't realise they were from they were cut down close to the river bank and we did get some more calls in about it as well so we've been on to the council to try to find out what's going on and we are awaiting a reply from them but Breida then has because when when she originally sent in the photographs yesterday she was worried about the herons and then this morning she sent in a picture on a gorgeous clear blue sky of a heron flying over the park and it's circling and she's wondering is the heron looking for a tree to nest in she really cannot understand what's going on so as I say we're on to the council uh, and trying to trying to get some clarification uh, on on the felling of the trees in Mallow and I know local councillor Liam Quaid had raised the issue of the trees being felled in uh, Mallow Town Park now we had invi- we had asked him if he'd be available to chat to us but he's unavailable at the moment but according to the local council offices the trees were posing a safety risk however Liam, Liam Quaid who he's a Green Party councillor feels it's not credible that that many mature trees could have all been posing a safety risk at the same time and he reckoned the felling of them should have been at a last resort okay so we're waiting on the council to see if we can get any update on that but thank you Breda for sending on those uh, photographs to us okay some more of your texts and calls coming in on the leaving cert a listener says pupils there's no name on this now pupils don't want to sit leaving cert full stop they are not happy with predictive grades full stop what do they want and then bored out of my head with the programme turned it off where's the Brendan Grace slot <laughs> God you can't please everyone uh, can you um, the Brendan Grace slot I'll leave that with John Paul and see we normally try and get it in on a Friday if if we can bring a little bit of comedy to the programme so we'll see if we can track down something for that listen even though they've switched off so they're not even listening to us anymore anyway Mossy in West Cork says hi Patricia I'm in my late 40s and up to two years ago I was having nightmares about my leaving certificate exams so the leaving cert class of 2020 should be grateful with no examinations they won't have any nightmares of the future to worry about apparently it's a common thing among uh, society and I tell you Lee, uh, Mossy and I often think is because coming up to leaving cert we'd be you know doing stuff about it on the programme here 
I say there hasn't been a year since I sat my leaving search that I don't have that nightmare of that you wake up. I, normally my one is that I'm being handed a German paper and I never studied German in school and I've got this paper in front of me and I got the head and her tail of it and the invigilator who's, who handed me the paper. I'm trying to get that person, I'm trying to tell that person and they won't let me speak and and it's, yeah, and, and you wake up in a cold sweat. Yes, well a lot of people will identify that. So the poor old class of 2020 certainly won't be having similar uh, nightmares for sure but many of them are still very anxious very disappointed that they're not getting to sit the exam so they may have uh, nightmares of a different kind Hi Patricia this is another WhatsApper saying the government are still procrastinating about childcare for essential workers children why did Ireland not follow the lead that was set in England in allowing some schools to remain open for these children it seems to have been a very successful solution to the uh, problem yeah, it 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 was it certainly is working very very well for the NHS workers over in England, and I, th- I think any of the essential workers, their children are still attending school. They're not being schooled though, as far as I know, because that would give them obviously an unfair advantage to the children who are being schooled uh, at home. It's om- it's almost like a childminding service, but certainly yeah, it does seem to be working. And of course, what this listener is commenting on is the temporary childcare scheme that was to be due in place for essential healthcare workers next Monday. This has now been scrapped though, and actually we didn't an interview with Marion Quinn of the Child Care Providers on Monday. It was actually our first interview of the week and I remember coming away from that interview thinking this scheme is never going to work because you knew the child care providers certainly were not interested in doing it because they just had too many questions. And there was the huge question mark then around insurance and who would be liable if something went wrong. And we also, there was childcare workers who were nervous about going into the homes of healthcare workers, fearful that they might contract uh, COVID-19 themselves. It seems now it has been scrapped because only six applicants from providers was received. I know the Children's Minister, Catherine Sapole, very disappointed at the uptake and much lower, she said, than it was hoped. So it's been scrapped, which still leaves so many healthcare workers with this huge dilemma of uh, childcare. Some of those healthcare workers would have been, and there's there's 27,000 in the in the in the healthcare sector, predominantly consisting of women, uh, many of them have their own parental and caring responsibilities uh, as well. And there's a huge issue that there was a huge issue in the healthcare sector. Oh, sorry, that's in the childcare sector, so they would have their own um, childcare needs as well. So yeah, there's but there's there's so there's this huge problem with healthcare workers. Some of them would have relied, say, on nan and granddad to do a bit of babysitting, a bit of childminding for them. But of course, with them cocooning, they're out of the picture as well. And then of course the ones. That that relied full-time on creches and uh, childminders, they're all closed. So there is still a massive dilemma. It was hoped that this scheme would go some way. And actually the scheme that Catherine Sapone had hoped would start next Monday was initially just for healthcare workers. And then the plan was that that scheme was going to be expanded to other essential workers. But that obviously now has all gone by the wayside. So that's a huge, huge disappointment for working parents. And it still leaves a dilemma of what do we do about childcare? Because we now know schools are not going to open until September. And then some would say, Patricia, will they even open in September? Only time will tell. Some of your texts coming in. And by the way, you can keep your texts and WhatsApps coming in if you've got a pet question because 
uh, Jane Pickett, our resident vet, will be joining us after half past 12. Today, so if something wrong with the animals, let us know. 0862103103. You can text or WhatsApp. Are the guys are taking your calls at 1850 Some of your texts in. This is disappointing and, and a worrying as well text from Michael in Castletown Bear to say, Patricia, hi. Forestry truck drivers in West Cork are being badly affected by forestry walkers for hours on end. Why? The walkers are parking their cars at the entrance to many of the wonderful forests throughout West Cork yesterday afternoon, for example. The entrance to the Quilta plantation at Castle Donovan uh, was obstructed for hours. Now, that's the forestry at the back road from Dunmanway to Bantry via Castle Donovan. Timber is essential and has many uses, including pallets for transport of food and medical goods, as well as PPE gear. These drivers had to sit and wait for hours until the drivers returned to, the, to their cars. Now, I imagine there was a lot of red faces when the dr- walkers came back to their cars and realised that they had blocked the entrance. So please, thank you, Michael, for sending that on. Let's give that out. This is this Michael's relation to what's happening in West Cork, but I'm assuming it's probably happening anywhere where there's a wooded area where people go for walks and people are being encouraged to go out for their walks and we're now allowed to travel five kilometres in order to get out for a walk and, you know, nothing nicer than walking through a forestry. But can you just please be careful where you are parking your car and make sure there's enough room at the entrance to allow for forestry workers to get in and out with their uh, lorries. So thank you. Glad to give that a mention for you, Michael. Thanks uh, for that. And thank you to Mary Carey, who has sent in a text on behalf of the Mallow Charleville Red Cross to say they are hosting a virtual five kilometre walk, run or cycle on this June Bank holiday weekend. And it is to maintain the services for the Mallow Red Cross in North Cork, who Mary says are under great pressure at the moment to meet their financial requirements due to COVID-19. And yet at the same time, they're doing tremendous work in the community during the pandemic. So if people can help out in any way, please do. And I imagine if you go to their Facebook page, Mallow Charleville uh, Red Cross, you'll be able to donate and help out with that virtual five kilometre walk, run or cycle over the June Bank holiday weekend. So many of those wonderful organisations who are just working flat out are really struggling because their normal route to fundraising has been all, you know, it's gone and it's gone for the foreseeable future. So people are being very creative in coming up with ways and ideas to try to fundraise for some for what are some really great causes. Now, on the formation of government, because we, we touched on this in the last hour when we had Colette Finn on, who is a Green Party councillor. Fianna Fáil, uh, the Fianna Fáil leader, Micheál Martin, said in an article in Wednesday's Examiner, says this texter, that the Greens are not anti-rural Ireland. I asked the question today, what planet is he on? The Greens want to cut the national herd. They're totally against live exports. Exports. They don't want new motorways and we all know their views on field sports. Things like coursing, hunting, shooting, fishing, all of which play a huge part in the economy of this country. Could there not be any more anti-rural, at least 
Simon Coveney showed his support for the farmer. So that's uh, a farmer, obviously, who's not happy about the notion or the idea of the Greens going into a government. And we know negotiations are ongoing between the Greens and Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. Hi, Patricia. What about driving instructors? Do we know when we can go back to work, uh, please? OK, um, driving tests and NCTs. And I know we had some questions in yesterday about the NCTs. According to the Transport Minister, Shane Ross, they are not likely to return any time soon. Now the driving tests have been suspended indefinitely. That uh, happened since last month and it's obviously to stop the spread of COVID-19. While the validity of your driving licence and the validity of your NCT certificate that's been extended under the COVID-19 emergency uh, measures. But yesterday actually it got raised in the do- in the doll by the independent TD for, Ke- for Kerry, Danny Healy-Ray. He asked when driving an NCT test would resume and he actually made a very good and a valid point. He is concerned about young drivers who can't take up jobs without driving licence and many of them were ready to take their test or had started learning to drive and of course everything got suspended and everything got held up and nobody I think thought it was going to go on for as long as it's gone on when things uh, shut down. So any of the Transport Minister responding to Danny Healy Ray said driving uh, tests and when it's going to happen he said I think that is reasonable to speculate it'll probably be fairly late in the day not giving us a date fairly late in the day he said I think the reality is driving tests are very difficult to reintroduce under social distancing because the space between the tester and the driver is simply too close anything that comes into that category would be very hard to do and he said that also includes the NCT uh, tests Uh, Shane Ross uh, said will be guided about both of these tests by the National Public Health Emergency Team but he says don't hold out too much hope that driving tests coming back too early so what do you read into that? Do you take it? It will be at the very end on the last phase, which is um, the 10th of August when the country starts to reopen again. Will they look from the 10th of August of reintroducing driving tests? And I'm assuming if uh, if drive, until driving tests come back, I'm, I, I take it from that, nobody's going to be booking driving lessons. Now, maybe some people will, but do I take it from that if the driving test is gone, therefore driving instructors are the same, if you, you can't social distance, so therefore if driving tests are not, not allowed, driving lessons are not allowed either? It's a bit vague uh, from Shane Ross, I have to say, no great detail in that, except that it's, uh, it's, it won't be any time soon. But just to let people know whose driving licence has run out and your NCT is out of date, I know people have been worried about that. We were only yesterday again had people ringing in about the NCT. If you stop by the guards, it's, everything's going to be okay because they, they have extended the emergency measures. You can drive around on an out, an out of date uh, NCT. I think it's four months. We were explaining yesterday you add four months onto whenever your NCT runs out. Even though yesterday we did have a listener who contacted us who think they cannot understand why the NCT uh, test, if you've been at an NCT centre, everyone is fairly well spaced. Probably the only way, the only place where you might have to work on social distancing is in the waiting room, but surely you could get around that uh, as well. And there would be the worry that if you've got cars driving around, 
that are not safe, you know, cars that maybe wouldn't have passed the NCT. Is, the, is there a danger in, in that? 1850-333-103. And just one final text here that came in earlier that's interesting that I want to get to if I can find it. So many texts uh, coming in. Where is it? Here it is. Hi, Patricia. The flu vaccine has been around since 1942, yet it hasn't eradicated the f- flu. And yet we see tens of thousands die each year worldwide as a result of the flu. Many never get the flu vaccine. To date, we have not found a vaccine for the coronavirus COVID-19 and with little hope of anything within our sights. According to the latest from the WHO, this virus may never go away. I often wonder what is the reasoning behind all of the PR PR being nothing will be back to normal until a vaccine is found. It beggars belief. As far as I'm aware, they still have not found a vaccine for the SARS coronavirus, which was back in 2002. That affected about 26 countries. It was supposed to kill us like all of the other MERS coronaviruses. Uh, Ebola, which is not a coronavirus, was supposed to wipe us all out as well. Our, even though they found treatment, haven't they, for Ebola rather than a vaccine. Our researchers looking for profit in pharmacology I ask furthermore are we building massive plans around a vaccine that doesn't exist when I suppose the hope is that a vaccine will exist I know your point what you're making about the flu vaccine it's the flu keeps changing and that's why they have to have a different strain of the flu virus that keeps occurring every year haven't heard anything yet to say that that's what they're expecting will happen with coronavirus. They're certainly still working on a vaccine for, for a coronavirus. But remember, as well as working on it, they're also working on treatments. I mean, if you can't get a vaccine, it's a little bit like when AIDS, AIDS is a virus. They never got a vaccine for AIDS. But what they did instead was they got a they got a treatment for us. So I suppose if we don't get to a vaccine uh, treatment, will that, will that be our best? And then we wait for a herd immunity. Uh, it kind of frightens the life out of you, doesn't it? Sometimes when you think too deeply about what's going on with it all. 1850-333-103. Particularly looking for your pet questions, please text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Mallow GAA are fundraising for three local charities uh, this month. 65 players from Mallow Hurling and football teams are running 19 kilometres within their 5k radius and they're doing it between 6am on Saturday the 23rd of May and 6pm on Sunday the 24th of May. They're urging people in the Mallow area to please support their nominated uh, charities. It's Mallow Search and Rescue, St Vincent de Paul, Autism Assistant Dogs by running, walking or cycling on those dates and donating to the GoFundMe page which is GoFundMe Mallow GAA 19 kilometres in aid of COVID-19. And a reminder that a used clothes collection for Gagan Hall Car Park will take place soon. The date is yet to be confirmed but they're pleased asking people to get items for donations ready. They're looking for all types of used clothes, bags, shoes, bells, bed linen, curtains, good quality soft toys. No duvets please, no pillows and no large plastic toys. Cork Today on C103. With Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future Education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Listeners contact to say, Hi Patricia, I sent for my passport online on the 8th of April and I still haven't received it. Can you throw any light on this? Okay, the 8th of April, and where are we? We're at the 14th of May. Okay, so that's well over a month ago. The 
current turnaround times for applications for a simple renewal they, the turnaround time at the moment is five working days complex renewals is ten working days and a first time applicant is twenty working days so if it was it was you said renewal didn't you Did you, I sent for my passport online okay so I don't know if it was a first time application but even with a first time application twenty working days you'd be expecting it to get it back uh, this week. Okay, if it was just a simple renewal, you should have had it back in five working days. I suggest, now I know the Passport Office is closed and and Passport Express I think is gone as well, isn't it? The only way to do it now is to do your renewals online. I would send, I'm trying to see is there a phone number that you can, oh no, they are, they're still doing it via on post. Okay, but you did it online because on post, the first time application is 18 working days. I would give it to the end of the week and okay, allowing that maybe for some reason it's a complex one, I don't know, or that it's a first time one. Count and see if it's 20 working days, if it's gone over the 20 working days, I would I would contact them. I would contact them. I can't find a telephone number there. Maybe send off another email, send an email to them and explain and just, just to see. You may just to fall in between the, the cracks, but it does seem strange that you haven't got it back yet. So send off an email and let me know how you get on and if you don't get on anywhere with, there, with that, we'll see if we can sort something out for you. Hi Patricia, as a grandmother, is it possible for me to go see my grandchildren social distancing? Uh, of course. Okay, I don't know your age. If you're over 70, you're cocooning so the the regulations say you shouldn't be going visiting your grandchildren but if you're under uh, 70 from next Monday, we are we're, we're still told to stay at home as much as possible but we are from next Monday allowed to meet up with four people that don't live together. You can meet outdoors. You do need to keep two metres apart so you could meet your grandchildren if you're under 70. You could meet them somewhere or you could, you could call to see them and stay out in the garden but just stay two metres apart and then in phase two we're expecting to hear this is on the 8th of June we will be allowed up to four people can visit another person house for a short period of time on a social visit you'll be able to go inside and have a cup of tea or coffee with friends but again we'll all be asked to say the two metres apart so hopefully that answers your questions if you're under 70 yeah from Monday uh, certainly you can and John says uh, Patricia what I hope doesn't change when we come out of this pandemic there's a lot less traffic on the road. It is so much safer now for me to cross my ro- cross across the road. John lives in Blackpool in the city. The other thing John has noticed is that there is brilliant fresh air to breathe in. I'll take that any day of the week. Have others no noticed that? And I'm assuming, I mean, you're in a busy part of the city with less traffic on the road is probably why you're sensing that there's more fresh air because you've got less traffic passing where you live and less traffic means less air pollution. So yes, of course, the air is going to be a lot uh, clearer. Keep your pet questions coming, please. And just one final one before we go to Jane answering your pet questions. The opening of churches. We have, we regularly get calls in from listeners who really miss being able to go to church. Now many people have gone online in order to get mass on Sundays etc. But just that to go in for a quick couple of minutes to say a prayer, light a candle or whatever, there's a lot of people really, really do miss that. Now we know the opening up of churches in 
the traditional sense in masses and whatever that's that's I think it's around the 20th of July I think the opening of places of, of worship it's well down anyway it's, it's certainly not happening in, in the coming weeks so I was glad to see that both the Cork and Ross diocese and the diocese of Cloyne have decided from next Monday to open up their churches for personal prayer and the the Bishop of Cork and Ross, Fintan Galvin, has actually given guidelines to priests in the diocese about this opening up of churches for personal prayer from next uh, week. Um, plans have been rolled out to open up the churches. In a message to the priests of the diocese, Bishop Gavin said a number of minimum measures had to be put in place before the churches could open their doors. Now the measures include ensuring the churches are cleaned with disinfectant before reopening, ensuring the provision of hand sanitizers and public health information to parishioners and partitioning sections of the church to make sure that physical distancing goes on between people. Parishes will also need to arrange a roster of stewards to insist that people's compliance with public health requirements, it's not just going to be as simple as throwing open the door of the church on Monday morning. The guidance states that during an initial phase at least one steward should be present while the church is open. Where possible only one door is designated as an entrance and then another door will be designated as uh, an exit. It needs to proceed very carefully says the bishop so that people can visit church churches safely knowing that the procedures are in place and that they're all in line with the government advice and the HSC advice. Parishes are being encouraged to initially open at least one church that's the bigger parishes that have more than one church and reopen the other churches then on a phased uh, basis. Now the Bishop also said that many of the clergy and the people who serve in key roles in the churches are restricted in what they can do with government requirements. Of course he's talking about many of them are over 70 and therefore are cocooning. So he said it is going to be important to plan with the help of the parish assembly, the parish council, uh, church leaders, you know, the parish finance committee. Everyone's going to have to row in and get involved. But that is happening from next Monday. And that's the directive that's coming from Cork and Ross. And then from Cloyne, in the Diocese of uh, Cloyne, again, they are hoping to start reopening churches next uh, Monday. Masses will continue to be celebrated without a congregation except obviously in the case of funerals but Cloyne say that every parish priest will make the best decision possible on the ground as some parishes have just one church while others have up to four so it'll be the individual parishes will decide what church is going to open and when it's going to open. I'm assuming they'll probably put some notices and signs up outside the church as well. But I I think that will come as a little bit of good news for people. And a lot lot of the bigger churches, I mean, other than the cleaning of them is going to be an issue and disinfecting them and making sure that nobody arrives into the church who might be COVID-19. And, you know, I think people are just going to be very, very careful. But I think, you know, people will be able to space themselves out well. I mean, that's the one thing you will have in a church for, for certainly for private prayer like that during the week people can you know if you go in and you see somebody in a pew you go to another pew etc so I think they will be able to get around that but it's going to put a lot of work onto the parish priests and uh, the parish council in making sure that there's you know somebody in the church and who's going to do the disinfecting and the hand sanitation there's going to be a cost involved in that as well at a time when 
most of those parishes are struggling financially because they don't have the collection plate at Mass. So it's, it's going to be quite challenging indeed for the churches. But I think people will take a lot of comfort from the idea that they may be from Monday able to go for a walk to the local church and just pop in and say a prayer. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And we are in particular, please, looking for your pet questions. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Farm Sir Walcher, Lassie 103. <laughs> One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Clarification on the passports and thank you to a couple of people uh, who've pointed out what's going on with passports and I've checked it and yes, you're right. The, they're not processing passports at the moment. The office is obviously uh, closed. There's no telephone service. They're saying to people, you can still apply for your passport using Passport Online, which is our what our original texter did back in April but it'll be processed once the service remo- is, resumes online applications that require the posting of supporting documents uh, they've asked people not to send them and the post offices in Ireland are not accepting applications made via Passport Express on during this time but if you've already sent an application your application is safe and it'll be processed once they resume services. So you can still apply online, but then you're going to have to wait. You're not going to get it 
until normal service has resumed. You can use their web chat service if for some reason you have a genuine emergency like a death or a serious illness and you need to go to the country and you need a passport but that's the only they're the only ones they're processing at the moment so glad to clarify that and thank you uh, to people including Mary who said uh, I did my renewal application for my passport in March passport office not processing applications until they return to work any applications will not be processed until then and Mary said also on post are not taking the applications thank you for clarifying that okay let me go to Jane Pickett our resident vet of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group Good good afternoon to you Jane Good afternoon Jane I can Hello hear, oh, Hi I can hear you hi. I can hear dogs and everything <laughs> in the background You're okay Good afternoon and you're welcome Now we had a call in earlier about dog grooming and dog groomers and somebody desperate to get their dog groomed and only yesterday we had a press release in from the ISPCA and they're advising dog groomers they can provide an emergency service if it's a welfare issue Potentially, yes. It's a little bit of a difficult one, really, because I suppose cosmetic grooming, um, although we all like our dogs to look nice and to be really comfortable, is is a little bit of a challenging one because it may not necessarily be considered an essential service in these times, very much like hairdressers at the minute. But I think certainly some types of grooming, particularly in long-haired or curly breeds, it can become a comfort um, and a welfare issue for dogs if they are left ungroomed for a significant period of time. It can begin to, let's say, get quite matted or begin to tug on the skin or even around the bottom. They can they can sometimes get a little bit soiled and, and it can cause skin problems as a knock-on effect. I think really the best thing to do in this situation is to speak to your local vet and your local groomer about what's going on if you do have concerns for the comfort of your pet at this point in time. Um, and they'll be able to best guide you as to what can be done and potentially whether whether urgent grooming is required in your case. I think it's really on a case-by-case basis and it's, it's really a judgment call, so have a chat. Okay, and your groomer will know your dog well anyway. Yeah, okay, exactly. Jer- Jerry says, I've got a three-year-old German Shepherd. He is the most adorable dog, but the last three weeks, and for no known reason, he has started growling at us at times when we go to rub him. And then five minutes later, he's as loving as he ever was. Any idea what could be going on as we've children in the house and we're starting to get a little bit worried. I think this is really interesting, particularly if he was previously a very lovely and well-mannered dog. I think I would always err on the side of giving the benefit of the doubt first and foremost. Um, so if something has changed in the household, if there's something around that might be, let's say, making the dog more nervous, startled, scared, then consider if anything in the environment has changed or anything in the routine has changed. Um, I think also it's it's a good point that sometimes we can dogs can become aggressive or let's say quite guarded um, when touched by members of the family if they're painful so I think it's just considering whether there's something underlying maybe maybe he's sore somewhere and he's worried when you're going near him that you're going to touch that sore spot now it really is detective work veterinary medicine and um, sometimes they don't really obviously show us exactly where they're sore like for example an obvious limp or a hump um, but sometimes if there is somewhere that they're sore more subtle signs can be a, a gentle guarding or just being a little bit guarded when they're being touched so I think have a chat to your vet um, they'll be able to discuss with you as regards whether an examination is required just to make sure that he's not uncomfortable or painful somewhere which might be causing him to elicit this kind of a guarding or aggressive behaviour but I think really safety comes top of the pile particularly if you have a, a, a other members of the family 
So I think whilst the, the kind of origin of this change in behaviour is really uncertain, just taking lots of measures to make sure that everybody's really, really safe. Um, so I suppose younger members of the family, I suppose they should never really be left unsupervised with the dog, but just being extra careful with their behaviour around the dog until you get to the bottom of it. Okay, and... Hi, I've got a Jack Russell and a Yorkie. Uh, They're both female and they just simply can't agree with each other. I have to keep them separate all the time, otherwise they can actually end up hurting each other. Would Jane have any advice? Mm, This is a really difficult one and we do see this sometimes. Um, Generally, most arguments amongst dogs, uh, unless it's, let's say, play fighting, which it doesn't sound like it is in this case, are generally kind of resource-based. So dogs are very much pre-programmed that they need uh, somewhere to sleep, uh, something to eat, somewhere to drink and some kind of toys of their own so they're very kind of resource based so if let's say there's maybe not enough water or not enough water dishes or maybe there's competition for food around the place or they're being fed together and there's even if there's plenty of food about there there might be a, a sense between them that they're kind of competing for the resources in, in the house then that can sometimes be a, a tipping point and it can really cause let's say aggression between the two dogs to tip over into other situations in the in the house i think you're doing a good job separating them for their own safety but i suppose one thing i would say is if they're separated for a huge amount of time and then potentially they come together in the evening around feeding time and when you're home then in another sense it may be to a certain extent exacerbating their kind of competition nature and whether they're getting angry at each other because i suppose in another sense they probably want to spend time with you as well um so they're kind of fighting for for that attention i think safety is paramount again so keeping them separated whilst we're dealing with the problem is really important i think this might be a good um a good case really after covid is over to have a chat with um, your local dog behaviorist contact your vet for a, a name of somebody they would recommend locally somebody that they've worked with and is appropriately qualified because i think it really would require somebody going into the home to see what the situation is and how they interact with each other in a home environment and um, to get to the bottom of but i think stick with it there'll be a there'll be a way forward okay question for your vet uh, jane why would a cat have runny eyes Oh, it can be a number of things really so very much like ourselves sometimes if you get a watery or an itchy eye sometimes it could be uh, an infection uh, so conjunctivitis would be the most common and we can get kind of the eye being quite red in itself and maybe a little bit of discharge whether it be clear or a pussy creamy color um i think that would be the most common but actually cats are really interesting so when cats get respiratory disease so when they get a cough or a cold sometimes actually they can get eye infections as part and parcel of it um, so I think either way, if your cat has watery eyes, it's worth a, a call to your vet. Discuss the problem with them. They'll let you know if they need to be seen given the current restrictions. Um, but it does sound like some treatment may be warranted. I think particularly if the, the discharge from the eye, if it's, if it's clear and it's normal and you've noticed this the whole time, then it may just be a normal discharge. But if there's any hint of, let's say, um, a kind of a dirty brown colour or a creaminess, then that would be an indicator of infection and that needs to be dealt with. Margaret says, hi, my Jack Russell has an abscess on the inside flap of his ear. Do I need a vet? Uh, Firstly, that sounds really sore. And secondly, yes. (laughs) Um, I think that's a little bit of a difficult one. If it is genuinely an abscess, so if you can see, let's say, pus pouring out of the inside of the ear, it all sounds very gross, I know. Um, Then that would be an abscess. 
Yeah, I know, sorry. Um, <laughs> but I think one thing that might be potentially worth investigating is sometimes we can actually get what's called an oral hematoma, which is actually a, like a little blood pocket inside of the ear. So if the dog has had ear disease before and is head shaking or scratching at the ear, sometimes a little blood vessel can burst and that can cause a big swelling in the ear and that definitely needs to be seen too. I think whether it's an abscess or a blood blister, it needs the attention of a vet. Uh, Mary says, hi, question for Jane, please. I have an eight-year-old border collie who doesn't seem to be his usual self. He's appearing to be a bit stiff when getting up from a sitting down position and he limps a bit after he's been running around. I'm wondering, is there a supplement available to help his joints and just to put a little bit of a pep in his step? Yeah, I think I think you're doing really well. Actually, this is noticing really the really subtle signs of let's say early stiffness. Um, certainly in middle-aged to older dogs, sometimes like ourselves, they can get a little bit of arthritis and become a little bit stiff and let's say creaky when they start moving at first. And the subtle signs of that are usually difficulty when we're kind of rising and starting walking, and then we might loosen up and feel a little bit better. Um, I think. Uh, certainly there are supplements that you can use very similar to ourselves you can use supplements containing glucosamine and chondritin to support the joint and cartilage and um, there's there's some evidence to support the use of those that it may be useful but not a robust amount of evidence i think really if there is some stiffness it may indicate that there there is some underlying pain now it could be arthritis it could be something else but either way i think it's worth again having a chat with your vet and just discuss things fully they may well after this is over need to get you in to just fully examine the dog have a good flex and extend of all of the joints then and discuss the issue with you in further detail but there's definitely things that can be done to to make your dog nice and comfortable okay and annie has a cat who started limping on her right paw it looks like there's something stuck in the paw could it be a thorn is there anything annie can do to help the cat Oh, potentially it is. I think if you can see something visibly in the paw, I'd be a little bit worried, yes, that there there is something foreign stuck in there. There might be a little foreign body, a thorn or a piece of glass or even a sharp stone. Um, cat's feet are actually incredibly robust, but the little webbing between the toes can be at times quite fragile and it's quite prone to getting things stuck in there and it can set up nasty little infections and be quite painful. So I think if you've noticed something obvious in the foot and your cat is unhappy with putting that foot on the ground, I think I think you probably need veterinary attention there. OK. All right. Listen, have a good week and we'll chat again next week. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks for that. That is uh, Jane Peckett, Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket. I've just got in a statement from the uh, Cork County Council with regard to the trees that were felled in Mallowtown Park. Now it's quite lengthy but let me take a quick look uh, down through it. They brought in a tree expert who identified a number of trees as dangerous posing a risk to the public. The removal of the trees is currently underway to avoid unnecessary risk to public safety. Throughout the COVID-19 restrictions, Cork County Council has continued to provide essential services working to ensure the public areas and amenities are maintained. The contractor, a tree care specialist company employed to undertake the necessary work operates in full compliance with health and safety. Okay, but the the reason for it was there was an assessment done and they have been cut down in the interest of public safety. Okay, that's just in from Cork uh, County Council. Thank you for that. John in Cove was on to say I heard a report earlier this morning that we are importing eggs into this country. John is scratching his head. Why are we importing eggs into this country with the number of farms and the number of hens that we have here. This goes back to a couple of weeks ago, John. There was a very bad case of bird flu a couple of months ago now. It was in the Monaghan area and it has 
hugely affected supplies. I mean, who knew that so many of our eggs down here in the south came from Monaghan? It was one of the reasons when, do you remember when the panic buying first started? There was a run on a lot of things and I thought at the time that it was just a run on eggs and there was a run on eggs because obviously people are doing a lot more home baking as well so people are buying more eggs but aligned to that was the fact that there was this bird flu outbreak in Monaghan and some of the very very big poultry farms who supply a number of the supermarkets they literally had to be a call on all of the hens and it's going to take quite some time for that supply to get back up and running again Again, and we knew at that stage when we heard about this case of bird flu that they were, they, we were going to get into a situation where we'd have to import uh, eggs. But it is still possible to buy Irish eggs as well. Just keep a lookout uh, for them. And we mentioned what's going on in the Diocese of Cork and Ross and the Diocese of Cloyne. But I'm very conscious that we have a number of listeners who fall under the Kerry Diocese. And somebody said, could we find out are the churches opening on Monday in uh, Kerry? We've contacted the Kerry Diocese and they haven't got back to us yet. So hopefully we'll get something back for tomorrow morning. Okay, that's where I must leave you for today. Uh, Thank you to John Paul and to Sadie for taking your calls throughout the morning. We're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 on to the Nine Patricia Messenger. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday and stay safe. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. COVID-19 is challenging for everyone. If you are studying or doing schoolwork at the moment, it's often hard to stay focused when working alone at home. This is normal. Taking regular breaks and rewarding yourself is key to staying motivated. Following the order of subjects as they appear on your usual school timetable may help. Another option may be to take a short break after what is the usual length of a class period in your school. Your school may be using technology to support your education at this time. Remember to check the school website and your email regularly for messages from from your school. And of course, make time for things you enjoy, whether it's watching your favorite TV show or connecting with friends online. Stay safe and stay up to date with all COVID-19 information at c103.ie. Every couple has a story of how they met. My mum met my dad at school uh, in detention. My best friend met his wife at a club through a friend of a friend. And my boss met her fiance after they got chatting online. Find someone to share your story with at c103dating.ie. 24% of Irish people have tried online dating and one in five relationships begin there. At c103dating.ie, we have genuine nice people that would like to meet you. Begin your story today by registering for free at c103dating.ie. Connect with C103 on Twitter. Find all the latest news and sport and stay in touch with what's happening across Cork. Search for our Twitter handle at c103cork. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. <laughs> 